You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me. And while you're turning there, I just want to thank you, church. Thank you for your support uh, throughout the years that we've been in Thailand. I cannot express how we mean, Brittany, we're talking on the way here, how the hardest part maybe for me this morning is trying to find the words to express how thankful we are for, your, for you, for this church, and we truly mean that. Um, churches, when they, they come up to me and they say, you know, how can we support you? Um, you know, there's always two ways you can support, two main ways you can support a missionary it can be financial support and prayers. And of course, we need financial support to be able to live and do what we do in Thailand. But I, I know without a doubt the most important thing, the best thing that you can give us is prayer. And I know you've been praying for us. And I know the things you see um, in the, the short little clip and the things that God is going to do is because of your prayers. God hearing the prayers of his people, his church, and answering them for his glory, working in the hearts of the Thai people. So, Meridian Church, I just want to say again, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And this morning, that's, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, is prayer. So if you would please turn, if you're not there already, turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10 this morning, about the priority of private prayer. Recently in Thailand, I had the opportunity to preach through 1 John, and I enjoyed that and trying to do the best I could in Thai. And there was, there was one verse that just stood out to me, and it still is in my mind and heart and is putting me on a, a journey of studying the characteristics of Christ, right? You study the attributes of God, which are wonderful and glorious, but I don't know if I've ever really just taken the time to study the life of Christ, His characteristics. This verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this, Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Which means whoever says he is a Christian, he ought to walk in the same way as Christ walked. So this morning I want us to take a, a, a look at how Christ, Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. And we're going to take a little bit of time to see um, those things how he, how in life, how he, he prayed, and how, how special and important private prayer is for us. I believe private prayer, secret prayer, as we're going to see in Matthew chapter 6, is one of the most wonderful privileges and gifts that we have. And at the same time, it's probably maybe one of the most neglected. My worry is that we will often, as Christians, talk much about God, but little to Him. I'm so thankful for technology because while we're in Thailand, we can see our family, right? FaceTime, video call, and even talk to friends. And it's, it's so good, but if you live far away from family, is it the same as being face-to-face? It's not, is it? There's still something missing. And I, I believe in a way prayer is like that. It's like being able to communicate in that way, but you still long to be with Christ, to be with God, to be with Him face to face, but God has been so good to us to give us the means by which we can come to Him in prayer at any time. Psalm 119.10 says this, with my whole heart 
I seek you. And what I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, do we seek him? When is the last time we've sought him with our whole heart? James 4.8 says this, draw near to God. Listen, this is such a beautiful promise. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just think about that. How amazing that reality is. If that we would draw near to him, that he would draw near to us. So this morning I want us to look at prayer, communion with God, being with him. The importance of how we should prioritize private prayer. So here we're in the middle of Jesus' sermon, right? Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Right here in chapter 6, Jesus is going to teach us how not to pray, and then he's going to teach us how to pray. In verse 5, Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus said, do not pray and be like the hypocrites. And that word is the same word they would use for actors. Don't be an actor, be putting on a show. And we can, we can be a hypocrite in anything, a lot of things, right? Jesus, even before this, in the context, if you look back in the chap- uh, same chapter, chapter 6, verse 2 and 4, Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite in your giving, right? And here he's saying, don't be a hypocrite in your praying. And then you'll see also in in verse 16, he says, don't be a hypocrite in your fasting. And look with me, which is very interesting. Look, Jesus said, and when you fast, when you fast, not if you fast, Jesus assumed that his followers would fast, which I wish we had more time this morning to talk about how fasting and praying goes together. That's also a discipline sometimes we, we, we we neglect so often that is so good for our souls. When we talk about longing for God, thirsting for him, Jesus said, do not be like a hypocrite, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. They love to be seen by others. And what did Jesus say? He said they will receive what? Their reward. And what is that? The praise of man. Wow, look at this guy, such a, a godly man. You know, wow. Isn't it so easy to be spiritual on Sunday in front of other people? And Jesus, as we're going to see, he's going to talk about how we should be seeking the Father, praying and being with him in secret. And let's go on. And in verse 7 and 8, also Jesus teaches us how not to pray. Verse 7, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Some translations will say, do not heap up meaningless or have no meaningless repetition, babbling as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. How oftentimes, sometimes when we're praying, maybe it's before a meal or anything, that sometimes we can pray like that, right? Just the same words, repetition with hardly any heart when we pray. And and sometimes it's it's not much different than the monks that are in Thailand, right? When they're on the street corners, people are bringing their offerings in the mornings. And the, the monk is just chanting the same thing over and over again. And I can tell he doesn't have very much heart because when the people are bowed before him, giving the offerings, and he's saying that same chant that the people don't even understand, but he, he's got memorized, he's just looking around, right, like with no heart. And we must be careful as Christians when we pray not to be like that, right? From the heart and brief is better than many eloquent words with no sincerity. 
And I love how in Jesus right here, he said, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. One of the most comforting things when we pray is that God already knows, right? Have you ever been in those times in prayer? You don't even, you don't even know what to say, right? The words don't come. You don't know what to ask for. You don't even know how to express how you feel or what you even need, but you just sometimes just come to, to the Lord and just say, Lord, you know, right? God, you know. And I understand maybe this morning you're thinking, okay, well, that's not me. I'm not standing on the street corners praying out loud for it to be seen. Or maybe that's not me. You know, when I pray, I do have a lot of heart. But maybe, just maybe, it's just that we're simply not praying as we should. And I think that can be, and a lot of times, that's, that's all of us, right? When anybody preaches on evangelism, sharing the gospel, we all feel like, oh, I could be doing, I could be doing so much more. God, help me to share the gospel. God, give me boldness. So I will proclaim your gospel to my family and my friends. And then when we talk about prayer, right, we always feel like I I can pray more. Lord, help me to pray. And so I want to just park right here for just a moment, and I want us to examine our hearts. I'm just going to list a couple things that, that maybe is preventing us from prioritizing private prayer. Maybe some of these things are reasons that we're not praying as we ought to. So please, I want us to just take a moment, just think of our own hearts and think of our own lives and, and prayer lives or lack of and just and think about some of these things. Maybe one reason that we're not praying as we should or taking the time to do so is we just we're just simply consumed by too much media. Too many things, right? Oftentimes we can get so caught up in just mindless scrolling or flipping through channels. And maybe, just maybe, we need to just get rid of those things, right? Turn some of those things off, right? Jesus said what? If your right hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Cut it off is what he said. I think throwing away a smartphone would be a lot easier than hacking off a right hand. If something is causing us to sin or separating us from God, do we value our relationship with God enough to get rid of whatever's between us? Sometimes these things, we have to be careful, especially in this day and age, right? So much stuff, so many distractions, so much noise. Sometimes we just need to turn it off or get rid of it. And why, and I have to catch myself doing this too, why do so often do we just run to hear a word from man rather than than to hear a word from God? We have to be so careful. Much of it can be a waste of our precious time. Another reason that maybe we don't pray as, as we ought to, or as we should, and this I'm guilty of this one a lot, is we just simply do not believe in the power of prayer. We just, we just have doubts that maybe God is not listening or that He's not going to answer our prayer. And we see that throughout the Bible also, right? In Acts, I think it's chapter 12, Peter's in prison. The church is praying in a home, right? God hears their prayer, sends an angel, lets Peter out. What does Peter do? Goes back to that house, right? He's knocking on the door. Little servant Rhoda opens the door and says, hey guys, Peter's here. And did they believe it? They didn't, they didn't even, the thing that they were praying for, they didn't even believe it. They're like, that can't be him, right? And how many times even, and sometimes when we pray, we just need to ask God, Lord, just give us faith to even believe, just even understand this amazing reality that you hear us right now, that we can approach you at any time because of Jesus, our great high priest, our mediator. So may God help us to to believe in the power of prayer. And the verse I think of so often when I'm praying is 
Remember, in the Bible it says you have not. Why? Because you ask not, right? God already knows. A lot of time prayer is more for us than it is for, for God. Another reason, another reason that I believe that we do not pray is because of secret sin. And secret sin is more deadly to relationships than we know. We think if it's secret, nobody knows about it. No problem, right? I'll just take the the hurt or whatever. I'll deal with the thoughts or whatever. Secret sin always destroys relationships. Everybody has it in their family, right? When we come back to the States, we've been gone for three years. We come back and we just can see how even in the past three years, how sin has destroyed parts of our family. Secret sin kills the joy and intimacy we have with our God. It will kill the intimacy you have with your wife, with your kids, with your parents, with any relationship. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So we must fight sin on our knees in prayer. And you know what? I think Christians, we, we don't even... We don't even believe the truth in the Bible that says we are no longer slaves to sin. Who are we slaves to? Jesus, right? We are, you are not a slave to your sin. There is no addiction that you have or some kind of grip, whatever it is that's in your life, you think that you can, it can, Jesus has already paid the price. There is victory in what Jesus did on the cross. And we are no longer slaves to sin. John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And so oftentimes we just look to the flesh, right? For our own, our own, we think that our flesh, we should just ourselves, our own flesh to fight sin. And those are the wrong weapons to have, right? We should be looking to divine resources to battle sin. Prayer, that's, no, that's one of them. Being in the word, right? The sword of truth. Be, fighting sin, with the Word of God, and also accountability, confessing your sins to one another, and having, that's why we, that's why church is, is coming together, and you're not supposed to be alone. There's, there's such a beauty in having somebody that you can be accountable to, to help you fight sin. So church, brothers and sisters, I just encourage you, please, do not, do not fall for the lie of thinking that fighting sin alone and in the dark is the best method, is the worst method. Come to the light. Come to other people. Have them help fight with you and, have, and, and come to the Word and, and fight, pray, fight sin with prayer and all these things that God has given us to do so. We're no longer sl- s- slaves to sin anymore. Another reason that I think we do not pray as we ought to, or I, I definitely feel this when, I come back, when we come back here, is we just make ourselves too busy. Just so busy. And we think it's a virtue too, right? Sometimes even in our language when we're greeting somebody like, hey, how are you doing? And I say, oh, I'm busy. Which, I mean, in itself, being busy, having, doing good things is not bad, right? The Bible has a lot to say about being a sluggard, being lazy, not doing things we should. But there is, there is a point where we can become too busy that we neglect the important things. Prioritizing prayer. And as I've heard it one, one uh, preacher say before, what does it profit a man? to go to all the games, all the whatever games it is, or, or to collect whatever it is, and to lose his soul. 
Right? We can get so busy with things that just, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, maybe it's in itself not bad, but if it takes the place and it makes God number two, we must be careful. We, we have to prioritize our relationship with God. Relationships are important, and your relationship with God is the most important, right? If you've ever been with anybody who's been on their, you know, at the, the bedside with someone who's passing away, what do they always emphasize? I wish I would have, what, worked more, made more money, any of those things. They never say that, do they? What do they say? I wish I would have spent more time with so-and-so. I wish I would have gave my heart more to this person, right? It's always about relationships, and, and time here is so precious, right? The Bible says what? Life is a, a vapor. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. Recently, um, we were at, a, at a, a family reunion. I don't know if they, this is in Texas. I don't know if they do this in Oklahoma. We were at a family reunion um, beside a cemetery. So this is my first, you know, I, I, I didn't know that's kind of a normal thing for family reunions. I don't know if they do that here in Oklahoma. But so we're at a cemetery. My, um, our kids are looking around like, whoa, that's a cemetery. They've never seen one in real life before. Because we, you know, we live in Bangkok, 10 million people. They don't have space for cemeteries. They cremate there. So we're walking through, and my son's looking around, and you know, he's asking those questions, right? Like, like you know, asking, what, 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 so the bodies are in the ground? And so I, I got a lot of time, right? Don't, don't I, Dad? You know? And just, just telling him, son, we don't, we don't know, right? None of us know how much, we, how much time we have. Time is so precious, so may God help us to spend it in things that matter eternally. I, I feel like one of the most important things, especially in missions, but even just in life in general, is to have an eternal perspective. Doing things for, that have a purpose for eternity, right? All this stuff is so temporary. May God help us. Another reason, I just have two more real fast, and then we'll unpark and keep going, is I think that we think, no, another reason we don't pray as we ought to is we think we are strong that we have it all together, that we think that we're in control. Needy people pray. If you don't think you're needy and you think you're in control, you think you're strong, you will not pray. I'm sad to say it, but I feel like because of our situation, just being out on the field, like he said, just going out, we had no place to live, we had no things, we couldn't communicate, anything. It makes you realize how needy you are. And even being here, we must be careful. Even though our pantry's full, we have plenty in the count, whatever, we are needy people, right? I think it was Tozer who said, need is a creature word. We are needy. We must not fool ourselves. May God humble us and help us to see that we are weak and needy and that we are desperate and that God would help us to pray. The last reason, I believe that many people do not pray. And I feel like I have to bring this one up is because of our context. Where we are in the United States is this. The thing that keeps most people from praying is they don't know God. A lot of people, will, when they hear a message about prayer, they'll think, okay, prayer sounds great. God is a good father. He gives good gifts to his people. They will go back and try to pray. But they want the gifts, but not the giver, right? In this context, so many people, and this is what breaks our hearts, every time we come back to the States, is so many people think that they, their relationship with God is good. You know, you ask them, how, how are you, what's your relationship, what's your soul like? Oh, me and God are good. Right? We've got a good, really, you know, <laughs> we have to be so careful. And the reason I say this is because all Christians pray. The many Christians before us, all the Puritans, others, they would, they would like prayer as breathing. 
Christians, you remember when you became a Christian, how you would just talk to God, right? Even when you're a baby Christian, babies, even though they, ha- they don't know any of the language, right? What can they do? They can cry out, right? They can, get, they can cry out to their Father. So Christians pray. And so I want you just, even in this time, just to think um, about your own soul. Do, we, do you know Him? Because right? we're coming from the context when we're asking people, we can just simply ask, do you know Jesus? Right? Are you a Christian? But here when we come here, we have to feel like we have to ask, do you, do you really love? And do you really live for Him? Do you really know Him? Right? And I know, I know you guys, you probably know this, but I feel like when I, when I share about this, I have to say it just in the, the context of American Christianity is I'm not asking, have you prayed a prayer? Right? That prayer... It makes me probably more upset than anything that, that churches are doing here in America, right? Because even when I'm talking to my, our own family about their own souls, right? They say they're Christians, but their life, right? When the verse we looked at, um, was it First John? Ver, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. When you bring that up to somebody and say, you know, you say that you know him, but it just doesn't look like, they'll say quickly, well, I said the prayer. And, right, and we know where in the Bible do we see it. Everywhere in the Bible, what do we see? What does the Bible talk about for Christians? Transformation. Not decisions, right? And it's so dramatic, too, right, when the Bible's describing it. Right, it says, you know, darkness to light, death to life, new creation, being born again. And I understand if you've been grew up in a, a, a Christian family and you, maybe you haven't, you, haven't had, you haven't got into all these deep sins, but what you will see and which is so glorious and amazing is that God will give you new desires, right? Cared nothing before about the Bible, but then all of a sudden, when you repented and put your trust in Christ, then you all of a sudden care so much about the Word of God, right? When I'm talking to family, you know, talking about the Bible or wanting to read, you know, they will say that they've been born again, that they've been saved. Faith comes um, from, by hearing from what? The Word of God, right? How can we say we were once blind, but now we see that now we have faith, but we're not interested in this at all? So examine yourself. Do you love the Scriptures? Right? Because when you see in the Bible, especially in the Psalms, they loved God's Word. His commands were not burdensome for them. When you become a child of God, when you've truly been adopted, you really repented and put your trust in Christ, you will love not only the Lord, but His Word, right? And God is so good to us to speak to us, right? We're talking about prayer mostly when, God's, when we're speaking to God, but God speaks to us through His Word. So again, just, I'm just asking and begging you, please, to check yourself, just to check your own heart. Examine, please. Because it's, it's what I see here in, in American churches, I'm not saying specifically in this church, but the churches that a lot, a lot of the ones that we go to People who call themselves Christians will go to church and it will be nothing, it's, it's not much different than the, the Buddhist going to the temple, right? They just go because they know that's what I'm supposed to do, right? And they think that they're gaining merit. But that's not why we come to church, right? Not because we gain merit. Jesus is our merit, right? We come to worship, to celebrate our new life in Him and to adore Him together with brothers and sisters. So not, I'm not asking, have you have you trusted in Jesus? Have you repented? I'm asking you. I think the best test is, are you trusting? Are you repenting? Right now. 
Okay, don't look for that moment in time. Are you right now? And may God give you assurance. And I want to teach you two Thai words because I, I believe the two Thai words for trust and repentance, they just explain themselves. I think it's, I love those two words in Thai. The word for trust is wang jai. Wang jai means, wang means to place or to put. Jai means heart. So when you trust in somebody, you put your heart, you place their heart in them. And when you repent, I think it's so clear also in the Thai language, repent is glap jai. Jai is, you probably, you remember hearing the last word, jai means heart, right? Glap means to turn it back. Like when we're driving in Thailand and we're looking for a U-turn sign, we're looking for the sign that says glap rot, which means to turn your car back. Literally 180 degrees, right? So when you repent, it is turning away from sin to God and trusting in Him. What I think is so sad is a lot of times when we're talking to people about the gospel, we're so quick to talk about believing and trusting, but we feel like the word repent is like an R word. We don't use it very much. But what did John the Baptist, when he was preaching, right? The last Old Testament prophet, the first preacher, what was he saying when he was proclaiming the gospel? He said, repent, right? And even Jesus, when he started his ministry, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So have we repented, turned away? Have we turned our back to the world? And our, or are we still following, as some a pastor I, I heard, once heard say, the unholy trinity? That are we still following me, myself, and I? Jesus said he's the gate, right? He's the door, right? He is the only way. And I understand, and this is what I love about the gospel, right? If you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I've heard this so many times and the gospel doesn't excite you, Think about it, right? If you're a Christian and you're hearing these truths about God, even no matter how many times you hear it, it should excite our souls. Every time, Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the gate. It is a narrow gate. And then after that, how do we know that we've walked through the narrow gate? What does the Scripture say? You will be on the narrow path. Are we walking on the narrow path? It is okay to go against the culture, right? I know when we come back here and our family's like, are you really going to do? That's kind of strange. We can. <laughs> you don't have to do what everybody else is doing, right? We must turn to him and live. So those I'm going to unpark and we got to keep going. But those are just a few reasons that maybe we don't pray. Distractions, sin, too busy, pride, and unbelief. So let's, look, let's go back to, this, to the text. In, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, and let's look at how to pray. Verse 6, Jesus said this, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Right? The hypocrites got the re their reward. What was it? The praise of man. And here Jesus said, If you go into the secret place and you pray, you will receive your reward. Those can be maybe other ways of answering, you know, any kind of, Maybe blessings, God answering our prayer, but you know what the greatest reward is when we go to the Father in secret? What is the greatest thing that God can give you? It's Himself. That's right. There is nothing greater or better. So when, when we're talking about secret prayer, praying in private, oh, may God give us um, the time and, the ch and many opportunities to go there and meet with Him and stay there. Stay there until you meet Him. And even be with him before you're with anyone else. I try to do that every day. 
Sometimes it's really difficult um, according to our schedules or where we are. Um, but it's, I, I feel like it's the, the best thing that I can do as, as being a husband, the best thing I can do for my wife, the best thing I can do in parenting for, to be for my kids or whatever relationship I'm in is to meet with God before I meet with anybody else, right? And, and you see it, right, in the scriptures in the Old Testament when Moses was on Mount Sinai, when he's been in the presence of God, when he comes down from the mountain, where his face is shining, they had to veil it. There is something about being in the presence of God. And so may God help us to make time to schedule it, to discipline ourselves in prayer. And I understand everybody in this, in this room today that's come to worship in church, we're all in different walks of life. Some of us are so busy. We, some of us, don't, moms maybe, they don't even have time to go to the bathroom maybe. You're just so, let alone could you find a lot of time in a secret place. But may God help us to go find a place, even be like our Lord, right? In Mark chapter 1, what did, what did Jesus do? He slipped away to be with the Father. May we be able to find quiet times, go for a walk, whatever it is. And when we, when we talk about prayer, so oftentimes, I love when, when we, we share with other people, like, will you pray for me? And like, yes, I'll pray for you. I love when we can have the time to pray on the spot, but if we don't have time, are we writing those things down? Take even that list with you when you pray. Intercede for people, in your church even, when you're praying. Pray for your people. And I would even also just encourage you when we're praying, sometimes, um, just go to the Lord and just thank Him. Just tell Him how much you love Him. Maybe even just go to the Lord and, and not ask for anything. What I mean is, for example, our children, um, they're not teenagers yet, so you're just in your mind, just keep that in there. You're going to think, well, when your kids are teenagers, it's going to be different. Maybe so, probably. But right now, they're young, and they, you know, they come up to you and say, love you, Daddy. You know, and they hug your leg. They didn't do anything bad. And uh, they're not wanting anything, but they just, the simple act of just, they, they just want to express that they love you. I know in the future they're going to get pretty tricky and smart maybe, but right now, right, when they just say, Dad, I love you, and for no reason. And I think it would be so good. I remember when somebody challenged me, they said, I, I challenge you, encourage you, just try to pray for five minutes without asking for anything. Just to give thanks. Just to adore, adore Him and to worship Him. And, to, and speaking of time, and another thing when we're praying, um, I know everybody has, everybody in this room probably has a pet peeve. I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't, but I know everybody's kind of got their own tick. If something goes, somebody does it, it kind of bothers you really bad. Um, I had a professor in seminary, I don't even know why I'm sharing this, I probably didn't have to, but he shared with us one day, he made the mistake of sharing with us one day, that his pet peeve is when people are eating fried chicken and then they're licking their fingers. And as you would guess, every time when we came together as meals and if we had fried chicken, some of the students were not so kind to the professor, you know, and they're just testing him, right? So everybody has their own pet peeve. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I kind of have one also I'll just share with you. And one of mine is, is when a Christian, when a person I know who is a believer or claims to be a Christian, and he comes up to me and says, or they're just casual talk or whatever, and they say, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. I'm bored. And you know where I'm going with this, right, about prayer. And I just want to tell them, if you have any time, do you understand, do we understand who we are? Do we really know who we are? Sons and daughters of the King. We have the privilege, please just think about this, this reality, this amazing reality that we can call on the Lord at any time, right? The Thai people, they have a, a king 
And they, they would understand if they had the king's phone number, his cell phone number, and can contact him at any time of the day, they would understand what an honor, what a privilege, how amazing that would be. And sometimes, man, if we have any time, just any time breaks throughout the day, you're getting in the elevator, you're between customers or anything, just that we can just slip away and just pray. We, we don't have to be, we don't have to be important. And I love when we're looking at Jesus' example of prayer in the Bible. Sometimes we will see where he is praying all night. And some of us maybe are thinking like, how in the world can you do that? And some of you already know how you can do that. If you were w- woken up in the middle of the night, can't sleep, or you've got kids. I remember at first when, when our, our kids would uh, start doing that, you know, new parents cannot sleep. I'm a real light sleeper, and once I get woken up, I cannot go back to sleep. And I'm just thinking, laying in bed like, oh, Lord, please help me go back to sleep. I'm going to be worth nothing tomorrow. And then once I realized that that's the best time to pray, right? It's quiet. No one is distracting you, and you have a lot of time. And may God help us to redeem that time. Maybe if you, you have sleepless nights, let's, we can turn it into times of prayer. You can be doing some of the greatest work in the church, interceding on behalf of other people, Praying. I love when um, Spurgeon, you know him, right? He was called the Prince of Preachers. When he, when he, when he died, he had over 100,000 people go in, on, on the route to his funeral, um, um, to, to walk the funeral line. Over 60,000 people came to um, walk, a past, walk past his casket. People loved him. And you know what Spurgeon said? Other than God and the grace of God, who he, he gave thanks for, for who, what happened to his soul? his mother, because she would pray, even sometimes be weeping um, over the state of his soul. And Spurgeon said this, never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. So may we pray for the souls of our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, and others. So I want us to look at, continue in verse, verse 9 through 10 to see how the Lord teaches us to pray. And I want to also point this out before I before I say this, because I think this is so interesting. I remember when I, when I heard it, you, if you notice in the Bible, there's, there's never a disciple that comes up to Jesus and says, teach, us how to, teach me how to heal, or teach me how to cast out demons, or teach me how to preach, right? This is, this is Jesus' sermon, the king of preachers, right? As far as we know, no, no one has asked him, teach me how to preach, but what did they ask him? Teach us how to pray, right? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, teach us to pray. And this is, this is what Jesus does right here. And I want us to look at just two verses. And this is the how-to, the Lord's model prayer. Jesus teaching us how to pray. Verse 9 says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Another translation will say, Your name be honored as holy. And look, right here, when Jesus started his prayer, you see, he says, Our Father, right? Intimacy. He said, hallowed be your name, starting prayer with reverence. Do we know who we're talking to before we even start praying? We must start prayer like this, hallowed or holy, right? Be your name. Holy here is not talking about like, sometimes when we think of the word holy, we think of pure, right? But a lot of times when the Bible uses the word holy, it's talking about separate. There is no one like you. And when we pray, oh, maybe we not rush into prayer and just, just speak in Bible. May we just come there with reverence and be in awe of who we're talking to, right? The great I am whose perfections we can't even fathom. 
may we not rush into prayer like fools, but even just take time to think who we are talking to, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he continues and says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Your kingdom come. And may we pray that, right? One of the things that, that saddens me, and you, I'm sure pastors here see it in ministries here, but in our context or our line of work being a missionary in foreign seas, when we see missionaries coming over, and it feels like the way they talk and the way they're doing their missions, it feels like they're trying to build their own little kingdom with their name on it. Oh, may we pray your kingdom come. And this was the, the beauty of all this, right, is that you guys can partner with us, that we can work together for the sake of the kingdom, the kingdom. And I love that truth, right? Your kingdom come. This is a prayer for missions. Pray for the advancement of his name and his kingdom around the world. A quote you've probably heard before from John Piper says, missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason you send us out, the reason that we go, is because there are people who do not worship, who do not hallow the name of Yahweh, of Jesus Christ, right? They don't know him. There are still areas in the world where his name is not known and honored. And I wish, I wish that all of you could just go and see it. I remember the first time Brittany went to Thailand in 2008. She went on a short-term trip. Um, I wish I could explain, I have time to explain how that all worked out, but it's by, by God's design and his grace that she got to take that trip. When she came back, she would not speak for a week. She just would not talk. She would not talk to me. She, I didn't see her talk to anybody. And I was just like every day trying to knock on the door of her heart. Like, you know, we were dating at the time. You know, we're um, a couple. I'm like, will you speak to me? Did you meet a Thai guy? Please just tell me what's going on, you know. I would just have all these, these thoughts in my head. And I still remember the night we're sitting down, leaning against a pole. We're on a missions trip in Colorado. And I remember she just burst into tears. And she says, there's so many there have never heard of Jesus. And she was just weeping. And I was just thinking, like, does that really exist? You know, because I mean, because our context, right, we just, we don't, we don't see that, right? Churches everywhere, everybody calls themselves Christians. Everybody has a Bible, even if it's dusty or whatever. And, I, and during that time, I was wrestling, like, what am I going to do in life? I knew I wanted to do ministry. I wanted to, to learn the Bible and try to teach it. And I was like, well, maybe it's missions. I don't know. I, need to, I really like her, and I want to be with her. She wants to be in Thailand. I need to go to Thailand and check it out. So the next year, in 2009, I went as well and felt the exact same way. The village that we went to, you know, we were, we were staying in a Buddhist temple for two weeks, um, teaching basketball in English and at the very end sharing the gospel with them. Nobody in the village had ever even heard of the name of Jesus, let alone known who, what he came to do and what he did and what he accomplished and what the gospel is, except the monks. They're like, yeah, we studied about him. And I remember just being so broken and just thinking, Does this, how can this be, Lord? And so um, I share that for you so that you will pray, oh, Lord, your kingdom come. And that maybe even the Lord will send some of you or some of your children and oh, that will be so hard, and it will be such a sacrifice, but he's worthy, right, to sin so that they will know. And Jesus said, your will be done. He said, pray, your will be done. That's, oh, especially now as a parent, that is so hard to pray, is it not? It is so hard. God, help my children, save my children, protect my children, if it be your will. And what's so, what's so beautiful, and I love, God is so good to us, is that we can know so much of his, his will, right? In his word, 
And when we spend time in His Word, our minds are renewed. How is that? Because His will will start to be our will. We will start to pray His will. And I want to just mention this because I don't want to forget His Word guides our prayers. So take it with you when you pray. A lot of people, um, Christians, they will just, just talk, 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 but they never listen, right? What does the Bible say? Be slow to speak, quick to listen. A lot of times in the same way. Maybe just pray, pray, ask, talk, but never hear a word from God. May God help us to be slow to speak and quick to hear from Him. And you can't think of in in this passage where Jesus is saying, your will be done, and not think of the time where He prayed that prayer Himself, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Some of you know, but I'll say it also for, for, for the children and everybody. Listen, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. If you tune me out, please just tune me back. Just tune in right here. This is so important. And this is what the scriptures say. Matthew 26, 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face. This is Jesus. And prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, right? You see it here. But as you will. Your will be done. And the first thing we have to ask ourselves, do you notice anything strange in this passage? Look at the verse before us. Jesus said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. He is trembling. Fear, right? He is scared of this cup. What was in this cup, right? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. When you read his life, right, the Gospels, he is scared of what? Nothing, right? He's in the storm with the disciples. What is he doing? Sleeping. The other one's thinking they're going to die, and maybe they would have. He is fearless, scared of nothing. In, in the desert with Satan for 40 days, weak because his, right, he's, he has a body, he hasn't ate in, for 40 days, right? Fearless, though. Scared of nothing, but you come here in the garden, right? And he's scared, of, he's worried, right? Some, some accounts say he's drip, right? He's sweating drops of blood. He's in anguish in this moment about this cup. And the question is, many of you already maybe know this, but if you don't, please listen. What was in that cup? I ask this question to a lot of people, and a lot of people mostly here in the Bible Belt will say, well, in the cup was the cross, Right? The sufferings of Jesus on the cross. He died on the cross, his death. Right? I don't want to take anything away from the, the horrendous death, the physical sufferings of Jesus on the cross. But was that what he was scared of? No. How do I know that? It's because of this image that he uses, the cup. Right? The scriptures that Jesus has used, if you look up the cup, there's only three possibilities there could be. Right? In the Old Testament, when the cup is used, one is a physical cup, right? When Joseph was playing a trick on Benjamin and put it in the sack, a silver cup, I don't, we, don't, we know that Jesus was not scared of an actual, literal, physical cup, right? And the only other, and the other two, the next one, the other um, cup that we see in the Old Testament is blessings, right? When God's pouring out blessings on people. But there's one more cup. There's 15 verses in the Old Testament that talk about this cup. And it always refers, that, those instances, instances is the wrath of God. 
And I know, I know even myself when I try to contemplate and even think about this, right? Because we want to think of all that Christ did, us, did for us on the cross. We cannot even fully fathom and understand what Jesus went through on those three hours on the cross, absorbing the furious wrath of Almighty God for three hours. Only a God can take the wrath of God and keep breathing, right? Because when you see in the Scriptures, anyone who tastes that cup gets a sip of it, what happens? Instant death. And Jesus consumed the whole cup those three hours on the cross. It was literally the, the, the one time that hell was on earth, those three hours. And what did Jesus say when he finished the cup? It is finished. And I want, us, and I want, to look with, I want you to look with me at, at one more passage, and then I want to plead with you. Everyone in this room, there are two cups. Right? There's the cup, the wrath of God. We have all fallen short, right? We, we have all sinned. But there's another cu- a cup that has been offered to us. And you see it in verse 27. Chapter 26 and verse 27. And he, Jesus, took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. He's talking to the disciples. And we see in, in verse 28, it was the cup of forgiveness of sins. So friends, which cup are you going to choose to drink? Are we going to choose the cup of wrath for ourselves and just keep hanging, holding on to sin and just think it's still going to be worth it? Right? Keep suppressing the truth that God is real. Keep running towards sin. Or are we going to repent? Right? Come to the living water and, and take a drink and have eternal life forever. Forgiveness of sins. And what the good news is, is this is not all that Jesus did, right? No, after he said it is finished, that didn't mean he was finished with us. Now he is what? He's at the right hand of the Father. He is our great mediator. He is praying on behalf of us. I love when you see in the Gospels, Jesus was praying for Peter, right? You remember that? And now he's in heaven praying for his people. And we pray in Jesus' name because he makes our prayers possible. One of the most beautiful images, I think, in the Bible is when you see the veil, right? After Jesus, after the cross, the veil has been torn from top to bottom, that we have access to the Holy of Holies. What an honor that we can go there at any time. Another verse I want to read to you quickly. This is probably one of the first verses that I, I memorized in Thai because I wanted to share with the Thai people because I love this promise in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 29, 13, God says this, If you will seek me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So seek Him in secret prayer. Knowing God and communion with Him is the greatest of all pursuits. So please, please prioritize it. I urge you to live on your knees. On your knees, lead your family, your friends, your church in prayer. Encourage your pastors even, right, in prayer. Sometimes when I come back and, and... and visit other churches and see pastors. The, the church has the, the pastor so busy, he can't even do the thing that he was supposed to do, right? In Acts chapter 6, minister the word and be in prayer, right? May we, may we support our, our leaders and, and others to praying and also praying in our family. May we invest in prayer for each other and for the kingdom. And I want to close with saying this, is we, we need your prayers. We mean that. Please pray for us. I'll give you even five specific things that you can pray for us. So if you want to make a mental note or jot them down, please pray for these five things for us. 
We, we desperately need you to pray for us. One is pray for the church in Thailand, North Bangkok Church. Now we're at the stage um, that we're looking for land or possibly building a building or something to meet as a church. We've been, we, we started in our home, and then we've been in, our, in the hotel for a few years, and now we're just being so limited because you can only meet in the hotel very briefly. You can't do a lot of things. We're just very limited, and we're just praying that God will lead us and help provide and, and all those things. We don't know where to go, what to do, but we just pray God will give us wisdom and that he will help us and take care of it. And that's what, that's what God always does, right? Some people are always saying, I don't know how you do what you do. And it's, it's simply because Jesus said he, he will build his church. And he said to go. We go in faith and we know Jesus will build his church and that he loves his church and will take care of it. So pray for us that God will help us in that stage, in this next step. Also, please pray for us about training leaders in our church. We have prayed from day one. We pray that God would give us men, faithful men, Men who love the Lord, we see that are the, they meet the qualifications to be elders, to be leaders in the church. We have prayed for now eight years for those men, and God has answered our prayer. We have two or three men who now we, we believe that we're going to start a process similar to yours. I've been talking to your past, to, to Josh a, a lot about just getting just a lot of feedback and help and wisdom about how, how do you do that. And so pray for us when we go back. We hope to start a similar process when we go back with these men. So pray for Ben, pray for Jay, pray for Pirot also. Also, I would ask you to pray for education. Um, one of the things that's on our heart is we kind of feel like we're in a fork in a road, and I shared this, this recently, um, is we don't know should we go the route of maybe starting a Christian school or should we, start, should we go the route of maybe helping start some kind of um, Christian um, literature curriculum for homeschooling. Because in Thailand, as, you, as you've seen and heard before, is 95% Buddhist. When you, you send your kids to the schools, they, they literally, like you see in the Bible, like it's so hard to imagine it if you've never seen it before, but people still bow down to golden images. And if you send your kids there, they will be required to do the same thing. So one of the dilemmas that we have, a way we want to serve our church, because we have a lot of young family and kids, is what, what should we do? So pray for us. Pray what God will give us wisdom in which route to, to go. We thought school at the beginning and there, there was even an empty school in our neighborhood. And we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. This looks like this. And we have some te- people in our, our church that are our teachers. And we're like, okay, well, that's going to work. So we start moving towards that, asking, um, fixing, go up to the office in our neighborhood and say, how much does it cost to rent that building? And said, oh, it just got rented out last week. A company came in and is using it to store stuff. And we're thinking, oh, you know, why does that happen? We know well, we have faith. you have to have faith, right? There's a reason it happened. And then a couple months after that, COVID, COVID hit, came. And we're like, okay, well, that, I'm glad we didn't start a school because that would that would not work, and we wouldn't be able to do anything or even to open it. So pray for us that God would give us wisdom and guidance in that. The next thing, number four, is that you would pray, pray that God will give us boldness. Brittany and I, and Joe and Jesse, pray that God will give us boldness in sharing the gospel. One of the things that comforts me because sometimes I just, I'll be honest with you, I feel like a coward sometimes in sharing the gospel. It's hard in your own language, in your own culture sometimes, right? When you know the Spirit is, is moving you to share something with somebody you just met. But it is so, I'll be honest with you, it is very difficult to do it in a different language, a different culture. When people look at you and, have, and think certain things about you, pray that God will give us boldness in sharing the gospel. And it comforts me when I look in the, in the Bible, especially when Paul is asking for other people to pray that God will give him boldness. And boldness is what being clear in the face of fear. Pray that God will help us be clear in the Thai language 
when we sometimes are a little fearful of sharing the gospel. The last one is pray for us, and this is an immediate, I pray that you will, uh, I ask you please to pray for us now and until next month. We, leave, we go back to Thailand June 30th, and I ask you to pray for us as we are fixing to say goodbye to our families. I'm not going to take too much time here because I'll probably get emotional. It is very difficult to leave our family. We won't see them again for two or three years. Usually every time we're gone, somebody passes away. Some of the people in our family right now, their health is very bad, and we're just not sure what's going to happen. Goodbyes are just so hard. And I just, I just ask you, please pray for our parents, pray for our cousins, and pray for ourselves. Pray for our children. Um, they're getting old enough now where it's, it's, going to be very, it's going to be hard for them to say goodbye to grandparents and stuff. So please pray for us about that. So we'll be going back June 30th, and if you would just pray for us that day. That morning is going to be really hard. And then I want to try to end with one more thing. As I love, you know, we were talking about this, this verse recently. Um, Romans 8.28, right? A very popular verse that we all memorize and we know. All for, God works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And, and I just want us to think about what is that, that good right there? Because a lot of people, we just think like maybe it's blessings, all these other things. But if you look at the next verse, the purpose, that good right there, verse 29, Romans 8.29 says that we are predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, right? We started talking about prayer, about being conformed into the image of His Son. May we pray. May Jesus teach us to pray. May He, he help us to open our eyes to see all of His glorious attributes. You want to know how to be a man? Study Jesus. If you want to know how to lead your home, right? Look how He led. We are all destined to be conformed to the image of the Son. And the best thing, the good thing is that God will use things in our life, some things that are hard and hurtful, sacrifices, suffering, to conform us into the image of His Son. So may God help us to conform into His image and grow in godliness and holiness. May we walk in the same way in which He walked. May we, let's pray together. Oh Lord, we just want to come to you and just tell you, thank you, oh Lord, for your grace, for your love. Father, we just pray that you would help us when we go back home tonight or tomorrow morning or whatever time that we set aside, Lord, that you would just put it in our heart, Lord, Spirit, that you would lead us to try to search for the unsearchable riches of your Son. Lord, help us to pray, teach us to pray. Lord, we, Brittany and I, we, we thank you so much for this church and what they mean to us and what they've done for us through the many years. Father, I pray your blessings on them. Thank you, Jesus, for drinking the cup so that we would not have to drink it. Oh, Lord, you're worthy of our praise now and forevermore. We love you so much, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.